0: I'm Hey gang, welcome to episode 232 of the No Proscenium podcast, the voice of everything immersive. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, coming to you from the No Pro Studio, aka the kitchen table here in Los Angeles. This week on the show, we've got Madison and Luke Rhodes of Crossroads Escape Games down in Anaheim. Uh, we traveled down uh, and talked to them in their in their lounge space there at Crossroads, if you are in the southern california area you are probably familiar with crossroads because they have the absolutely famous hex room uh which we're going to get into uh the creation thereof and also uh they're they're also known for uh, the psych ward which is an original uh kind of a competitive strategy, social strategy game uh, in escape room form. And uh, they also produced a wonderful immersive theater piece called The Seance, uh, which relied upon all of their skills uh, this past fall and are looking to take that on the road at some point. I'm looking for venues to to, to pop it up in. Um, Maddie and Luke do amazing work i am super excited that we're going to have them at the here summit this march the 27th through 29th and let me take this opportunity to give you a little update on what's going on Um, we didn't put out any more uh news about speakers this week because we're just about to uh, close some language on one of our biggest gets yet so i'm holding off and we've got some really fun things to announce uh when it comes to the festival side as well so very excited to what we're going to be giving you in a minute do you want to do some housekeeping on a few things one those of you who might be listening right now uh who uh put in a proposal to talk we're getting back to people this weekend it's taken a few more days than we wanted to uh, the first wave is going to be, sadly, the rejections are going to go out. Uh, we've got, uh, as we're kind of shuffling the schedule around, uh, there's a few people who are going to be on the bubble, uh, where like if we can make it work, we're gonna we're gonna get your talk in. And then there's gonna be, uh, then there are a few people who we're we're gonna let know this week that yes, you're accepted, and please make your make your plans to be here. Uh, luckily, uh, airline flights, as I know because I'm booking them for people, uh, aren't too bad right now. Um, so that's what's up with that. We're also should next week uh, have some news about uh, our official hotel for the summit. Uh, that's something that's happening this year. Uh, we've got some discounted rates going on. Uh, we just got to get some paperwork signed and get it all done. I'm getting antsy because uh, we're in that mode. Three-day badges are still on sale. Uh, you can still acquire them. Uh, we are reaching that magical point where we're about to be the point where more people have expressed interest than we have tickets. So if you have gotten your code and you're like, oh, "Oh, yeah, cool. I'll pick this up at some point. You're going to want to start locking that down. Um, if you have requested a code, uh, and you don't think you've received it, check your spam filter (laughs) because I know there are people who have re-registered. I'm like, I sent you a code already. Um, also, everyone who uh, requested uh, subsidized and, or a scholarship, uh, initial word on that is going to go out this weekend as well. So, now you all know that I'm spending the entire weekend emailing people. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what's going to happen. Okay. Um, I am, however, really excited about how this thing is shaping up and a couple of things that we've got um, uh, to announce already and a few conversations that are taking place, uh, this weekend and into next week to lock a few more things down. So, uh, hold on to your hats because, uh, this is really the craziest thing we've done so far. And, um, if I, if I think about it too hard, um, I will freeze up. In fact, sometimes I think about it too hard and I freeze up. So, um, there, just, uh, the anxiety of producing things another thing that makes me anxious is our patreon um there's a there's a segue for you um we uh we're down a sustaining backer uh as of this week um that's always a, a big blow um we're actually down 70 bucks all totaled from uh this time last month and that's not something i expect to magically uh heal itself uh, this month but hopefully uh by the middle of next month we can uh, get back to growing. Uh, we're down to, um, what are we down to? We're down to 305 backers and, uh, $1,777 a month. And, um, You know, that uh, makes me a little scared, but I am glad that we got two new backers this week. Uh, Sean Stewart, uh, who's been a guest on the show and who's absolutely lovely, he joined on. And so did uh, someone going by the name of The Madman. Uh, Thank you both for hopping on the train while it's still moving. Uh, We do need to get those numbers back up. Uh, I do need to reach out to the people whose credit cards got declined. That's part of the thing that's going on here, but we need to keep growing the base here. And there's been a lot of stuff. Uh, Check out this week's Everything Immersive this week to see how much buzz Immersive is getting right now. The articles in Quartz, articles in bold italic. Uh, We we got uh, the... uh, Kind of thing we did with Meow Wolf, uh, a kind of a travel guide to immersive in the United States that's been brewing for a while. We we got that up, uh, and it, that's making an impact. That's reaching new audiences, and that's really what uh, the whole mission here is. And that's one of the missions uh, with with here as well. It's also one of the missions with Leia. Uh, we we were at a meeting with the city of LA this week. Uh, there's some forward motion going on there. And there's going to be news on the lay of front about membership in not too long. I know we keep on saying that. Uh, and it keeps on being that there keeps on being delays on the legal side uh, because, hmm, hey, what do you know? Uh, the legal side, it's it sucks. What can I say? It Just that whole part of it sucks. So there are things we want to do and we can't do them until uh, that stuff's buttoned down. So eh, it's the way of it. It's the way of it. All right. Patreon.com slash no uh, help us out, <laughs> spread the word uh, If you're already giving, thank you so much uh, Just share share that we need the help Because um, we do And because um, This is survival now Okay, The sustaining backers of no proscenium Those who have survived Speaking of survivors um, Mark Baltazar, Jan Budman, Paul F, Lonnie Hanson Ari Hurston, Sam Kinkin Sydney Guillory, and Jeremy Charles Hahn Thank you all so much for sticking around uh, Some of you for years now um honestly if you see those folks out and about and you're a no pro fan uh or if you rely upon what we do please thank them um they make what we do possible all right on that unfortunately somber note um let's get into a fun conversation uh we did this last week. Uh, I was down uh, in Anaheim because uh, a birdie got me into a part of two that uh, was not quite yet open. Um, I will uh, maybe share some thoughts. on. The... No, I'm not going to. I'm going to hold on because uh, 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 I'm going to wait to share my actual thoughts on Rise of Resistance until I have seen it in fully normal operation. Um, kind of given, given a little bit of reboot there because, uh, you know, test off. this. I'm recording this as... Uh, The ride is opening up in Anaheim to the public today. Uh, Anthony, I think, is down there. Uh, I was going to be down there, but there's just too much work to do. So uh, that's why we're doing this right now. If you have not been, or if for some reason you're coming into the Southern California area, mm, perhaps in March, uh, you might want to check out, in fact, not even might, you should definitely check out the Hex Room and the Psych Ward. Uh, I haven't in the fun house yet, but it's also should be pretty fun. Uh, check out the work of Crossroads Escape Games; um, they are fantastic. And now you get to meet them. Here we go. Yeah. Maddie, and Luke, thank you for letting me interview in your lounge. Yeah, yeah welcome. Um, I will probably even in the cold open, like explained the games of yours that I've played. So I actually wanted to start with, how did you get into this? Like I, I had heard about you guys kind of like long before I ever came down. I mean, by far, cause it took me forever to get down here, which is like to my shame. Um, but uh, I knew that you guys were like, well, yeah, you, you tell the story. So like, how did you get involved in, a, a, in escape rooms?
1: Uh, we love anything haunted. We love all horror movies and everything haunted. And we went to go do a haunted house in L.A. Uh, one October. And surprise, it was the basement. I don't know if you're uh, familiar I, with the basement. I am very familiar uh, with you. Yes. And they said, okay, here you go. We're locking you in this room and solve these puzzles. And we, up to the point where we were walking in the room, we thought it was a haunt. And then they're like, solve these puzzles. Bye. And we were like... It was mind-blowing. Yeah. It but was like, great. Wait, we I took it very this. seriously in like a
2: Saw-like type of, I don't know, mentality. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: and so, and we failed miserably, <laughs> uh, embarrassingly. I think it was at 40 minutes into the game, or no, because there are things, but it was like 35 minutes into the game. And one of our teammates, who we didn't know, we were putting in some strangers. The Randos, yeah. Um, well, we finally asked, like, we should have found a key by now. And this stranger pop- comes up and goes, oh, you mean these keys? And proceeds to pull out like 10 A keys. handful, of, a key handful from her of keys pocket. from her pockets. Oh, my God. She's been <laughs> collecting them. Oh. Uh,
0: <laughs> was, was this in like the uh, first year of like escape rooms? Yeah, like, it was yeah. like in 2015, 2000- yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, 14. Yeah,
2: no yeah. one even knew what an escape room was. That's yeah. why we thought we were going to a haunted house. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we we did it and we loved it, even though we failed. It was amazing. Um, but our mind was blown because we come from like a theater background ourselves. I do a lot of scenic painting and set design and Luke does acting and um, scenic construction. So we are always looking for the coolest type of entertainment to do. So this new thing blew our mind because it was theater, but we were the actors in mm. it. So it was just a game changer for us. and on our drive home that night we came up with the idea for the hex room and we just figured why not do it
0: and and, and the rest is and the hex room is the hex room's like brilliantly diabolical cuz you've got you, you isolate everyone into their own mini room but then make them work together through the medium of, of a person in the center uh, and and one, I mean, that's clearly like inspired from from horror movies, right? Yeah. Like, so was it like the horror movie idea first, and then like the mechanic second? Like, how how do you guys? Because what's great about what you do is like you take these conceits and then you you actualize them in, in very concrete ways. So I wonder if like you could give a window into like like. You know what, what comes first, the mechanic or the story idea?
2: Well, I guess so. After we did the basement, we were hooked and we did like 30 more, which was all of them in California at the time. Um, and we did a lot of really bad ones, and we oh, that noticed was a time when that so many bad ones, yeah. yeah. And we noticed yeah. that there was just a lot lacking. And what the biggest thing was just the um, the scenic design and the immersion and the atmosphere. And since we come from this theater background, we're like, that is what this experience is missing. and That's what we can bring to the game. Um, So I would say the set probably came first um, and we decided on the individual starts because we wanted people to feel like they were their own star in the horror film. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what gets lost in a lot of escape rooms when you're working together as a team is you don't get to be there for every moment um, or you kind of get lost in the background. I don't know. It just, it changes dynamics. And we wanted to create something where you truly felt like you participated. You did this amazing thing and you had to work to get out of the room and you couldn't just sit back and watch your friends do it.
0: Luke, Luke, yeah. Luke you look like I'm really tired because it's been a long <laughs> day. Just people listening to the podcast. I'm exhausted. Um, you look like you're going to
1: add something. Uh right, Yeah. Just that, um, just what she said. This, like you get to be the star. Um, You get to come out saying, you know, if I didn't do that thing, well, we wouldn't have gotten to this point. Mm. Um, And it gives everybody this sense of accomplishment and um, a sense of progression, too, through the game, especially when you get out of your individual room. It gives you a great feeling of of progress that you've made, which is something that I've noticed in some experiences that I've done uh, is there's no clear sense of progress mm. and then it's over. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I didn't know how far I got, or I wasn't aware where I was in the story. And then it ended. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's also something that we take in, in to, and they would keep in mind in the beginning processes is how are we going to give people a sense of progression?
0: Yeah, and that's something. Something that's nice about Hex Room is because as things open up and people solve and and, and get together, like there is a clear progression that happens. Uh, you're very aware of sort of like where you are in things and a feeling of a ticking clock even if you're not looking at the clock or aware of the clock you get that sense of like oh we must be getting close oh and the tension manages to like keep on rising all the way through
2: yeah in the hex room we even have like these moments that happen every 15 minutes where the lights kind of flicker and this music changes because if you're in a room that doesn't have the timer in it, you can be like, wait, what's happening? What's going on? The lights are flickering. And then the detective can be like, oh, 15 minutes has passed. It's like a way of telling everyone their update of time. And also now they learn, oh, weird things are going to happen the closer we get to zero. So the room itself builds an intensity through the soundtrack and the lighting too to make that an even, even like heightened moment.
0: You also have the benefit because you've got those different uh subrooms of, of people being able to come back and try a different role. Like, was that something that you ap- approached, that you built in because you, you knew like, oh, we can get replay, replay value out of it? Was that like a business yeah, decision? Yeah, that was
2: immediate. Like after yeah. we did <laughs> The Basement, that was our number one thing is we wanted to do it again. Mm. But we felt like we couldn't because we already knew the answers to the puzzles and we wanted to bring friends back and we wanted to see them do it, but we couldn't be in it. So that's why the hex room was invented that night on the drive home it was like, we need to find a way to make an escape room that you can do multiple times
0: the, the thing about wanting to share it with your friends and not just like suggest it, but like really, oh, I want to share this with somebody, right? Like that is something that the most escape rooms bypass the ability to do. and it's it's such a key thing. It's like there's there's things at certain attractions where like I'll go, I'll enjoy it, I'll never have the first time again, but I totally want to bring a friend mm-hmm. and like see them experience it for the first time. Like that's that's a highlight. Um you've also done this with uh Psych Ward, which is such a different kind of setup. So I wonder if you guys could like explain <laughs> what it is because it's it's an escape room that isn't really an escape room
2: it's it's yeah, something we call else. it an escape room with a fun twist yeah because it is an escape room in its heart in the fact of what type of puzzles you're solving that you do need to solve these puzzles to be released from the sane asylum but the twist is that we added an extra like strategy element which is the social deduction game so we're big fans of like werewolf and secret Hitler and we just made that come to life In its own kind of weird way.
1: Yeah, It was also another crack at replayability. Um, There are more puzzles than can possibly be solved in the hour. Um, And so if you come back, you'll experience things that you didn't experience last time. Um, And you may be on a different team. So your strategy is going to change. Um, You might bring different players. Which is going to bring different elements to the game because of its design. So it it was... also trying to find replayability in an escape room in a different way other than, you know, splitting people into separate rooms.
0: Well, and there's there's something so damn smart about shifting the focus into being the play that's happening between the players. Right? Like the room supports the play of the players in the room. Okay, that's too many rooms. Uh, I think I followed. You. Yeah, right. Like, like, you know, <laughs> it, it's 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 like you know, most of the time it's players versus room, and here it's room versus players, players versus players, players versus room. Like, like this this Ouroboros yeah, going around, yeah. um, and and again the replayability, but also this idea of like, you know that room is a platform like like this idea of like we've got these spaces where we can do these elaborate sets and theming and give people something to do inside of them and it just really like when i did that room of yours it just i felt like a wall kind of like being knocked down and saying like it doesn't have to be one thing like it doesn't always have to be like all right we've got an hour to, you know, escape the killer.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, that was a huge part of it is cause we've played a lot of escape rooms. I think we're, we've lost count around like 230 or something. Um, yeah, something like and that. they just, they do, they get repetitious. And I mean, you can only escape from jail or rob a bank like so many times. And, Once you're
1: at 230.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just, it gets repetitious and we felt like escape rooms really all they are is a room an immersive room, and it's providing you a game. And for some reason, people didn't want to step outside that box and think of how the game could be different. So that's why we created it as a way to show people, like, these are just immersive games. They're just live-action games that you can play, and you can do anything inside a room. So we just started with a social deduction game, but it could be anything.
0: Was it just the the, the frustration of... of seeing the same thing over and over or or do you guys sort of feel that because of your, your theater background and and other interests of yours that you're like coming at it from this angle because like anyone could have made that choice to like <laughs> stick like oh let's do a werewolf type game because like werewolf's a folk game functionally right mm-hmm. you know I mean you might also know it as mafia right yeah um I, I mean I used to teach it teach it huh we used to play it uh in uh with the kids at theater camp uh and they wanted to do that more than they wanted to do theater camp and so did we so <laughs> sorry uh parents of the San Francisco shakespeare camp of 20 uh, um but um w- why do you think it was you guys who like stumbled into doing that stuff
1: uh well like she said we'd done like 230 rooms we are also done a bunch of immersive theater experiences. Um, We try and do everything. And uh, I think we just saw an opportunity. We saw something that wasn't there yet and um, tried to uh, expand into that. I think another thing is that we (laughs)
2: love board games and card games. Mm -hmm. I say we'd probably play a new game every week. Um, And there's just something so wonderful about board game and how you can replay it. And you can do what the Hexroom does where you can share it with friends and um, come up with new strategies and stuff. And it was really that. It was, instead of like escape rooms, which I think is just taking theater to life, it was trying to find a way to make a board game come to life. And that's how the psych ward also evolved.
0: How long did you guys work on it? So from like, like, and, and, and do you start with like a paper, you know, tech type process and kind of like... You know, are you are you sketching out the room and like walking people around? Are you doing the core game? Because there's so much, there's so many elements
1: in it. Uh, we came up with um, the idea for Psych Ward when we were drinking. Um. <laughs> it was. We
2: were like having beer and pizza, and we're like, "It would be a cool we're idea like, for a for Feeling a game. good, and
1: we're like, "You know, it'd be mean? fun."
2: It was actually a lot more like Survivor originally, um, but it honestly, these ideas are just Luke and I just I don't know building off of one another until finally I write it down and then of course when things go on paper you see all the flaws um so yeah it's a lot of writing I keep a journal with me at all times just constantly like putting down ideas until finally I get to a computer and kind of put everything together and then um I usually since I do a lot of set design I make a ground plan is my way of seeing this space because I think flow is incredibly important and I think something that people forget a lot about a lot so Um, I figure out what the flow is going to be and where I can have my like, wow moments or surprise moments. And, um, I guess the experiences that I think are fun and how I can implement that into the idea. Um, surprisingly, there's a lot of escape rooms that we've played that just aren't fun. Mm. And Mm. that's like the number one thing for me is every time I design a puzzle or something, I'm like, but how fun is this? Yeah, And, um, I just I think about every single part of the game and how it'd be fun, and also how that works with the set. Like, am I taking up too much of the room for this one thing? Like, how can I make that thing work multiple times, or come in when needed and then disappear when not needed? Uh, I don't know. All those things just kind of slowly come together. But Psych Ward took us like well over two years to make um, from their first initial drunken idea to the final drunken concept <laughs> final product yeah.
0: yeah what what were the what are the stages of development like so drunk, first drunken concept <laughs> and like drunken concept in notebooks and writing things down and getting the floor plan but like once you've got that floor plan i mean there's there's a lot of there's a fairly elaborate number of of mini puzzles in there and then yeah. there's also the social deduction game yeah. like like there's it there's a lot of plates spinning in that room
1: Uh, One of the biggest challenges uh, was if if you've ever played a social deduction game, you know that typically there's an elimination element to the game. You eliminate certain players so that it narrows the field and you can find out who is um, sabotaging the group. We can't do that with our escape room we don't want it to, oh we killed you off uh 30 minutes into the <laughs> gate in our hour long <laughs> game yeah go into the lobby and wait for the rest of the group so we had to create a social deduction game without that element that was tricky mm-hmm. um and there and then of course it's all these puzzles need to be the um sort of the catalyst sort of the foundation that this social deduction game rests on and trying to get that to line up we had a couple of ideas that as we thought through them and kind of played them out in our heads just didn't work Uh, and so we had to rethink things um and that's what took a, a lot of the time
2: yeah well we also we think um very literally about things. So originally in the psych ward, um, the well, the way it works is you can solve puzzles to get points. Uh, and then um, you have the ability, if you're insane, to steal those points in secret. So originally this was going to be like you solve a puzzle and you actually get marbles and oh, then you get oh, yeah. to use those marbles. To vote for what side you want in private. And then there are ways where you can decide like, oh, I'm not allowed to vote this round. So I'm going to give my marbles to you. And that person could be insane. And then they have more marbles that they can use to vote with. And it was very literal.
1: And you lost your marbles. And you lost your
2: marbles. (laughs) Um, So it changed in the fact that we realized we couldn't have like 8 million marbles (laughs) Um, and how those marbles got replenished. and was going
1: to be super cool. It was
2: going to be cool, but it was also just hard. (laughs) So we decided like technology is a thing. So we should maybe make this more technologically advanced, which was hard too because it was a 1970s asylum. We wanted to, you know, keep it in that world. Um, So we found a really great company, uh, Diablo Sound, who I'd gladly work with again. And um, we told them our idea and we came up with the idea of turning it into like actual points. So you have your insane patient wristband or everyone has patient wristbands that you can scan in like a barcode area Um, and then that will tally your points. And then this brain that they built for us would keep track of, you know, if a sane person scanned and an insane person scanned, the insane person would steal that sane person point and... Yeah. yeah, they they made something crazy happen with that brain.
1: That was a big challenge, too, is social deduction games usually require a lot of policing. Everybody has to accept the rules and go along with the rules, and you have to, you know, usually there's someone or, or something enforcing the rules as you play. And we, y- you don't want that in yeah. In, a, in an experience like this yeah, so we had to like a, have the computer be that that person yeah. that keeps track of all that and manages that part of the game uh and that was tricky to come up with as well <laughs> what what cracked the nut for you on the social deduction game because like that that that's
0: That's an, that's always an interesting thing when you finally find like the moment that goes like, oh, here's how we do it. Particularly the idea of the elimination. Like when, what was the thing that cracked in there and said, oh, here's how we can keep them.
2: It was Survivor's Exile Island. I, that, that idea is what made me go, oh, that's how you eliminate someone without actually eliminating them. But they get to go somewhere else but they get something that other people don't, but they're on their own. So what we did in the psych ward is we have the padded cell area. So every 15 minutes, the whole group gets to choose two people to go into the padded cell. Um, And then when they go in there, they're away from the main room game, so they can't score points. So if during that time, the sane side ends up getting more points, you can be pretty sure that you locked away um, the sane people, so you need to get them out. Or can you? Um, or can you? I know you. there's so many twists and turns, um, <laughs> but yeah, it was a way of putting people away. But in the padded cell, there's still plenty of stuff for them to do, and they can actually work to get out of the cell faster than the 10 minutes that they're locked away for. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was Survivor.
0: Nice, nice. I like like that idea that like you were able to. I, the, the idea that like Oh we could put people away But we could give them Something else to do Like that's Because that's That's the critical thing Right It's like a, a game where like You know you're not out Right Or mm-hmm. or Different versions of fail states Yeah Right And that's I mean that's a big thing I think in, in gaming as a whole Right now Is that idea of like What do you do with fail states You know um And You guys are in the Location based entertainment You know business And like You know It doesn't it doesn't matter if a team blasts through your room, you can't book another team for an hour. Mm -hmm. So like making sure that folks are getting a good hours within our team. And that's one of the things that's interesting about, about also about the psych is like you get the full hour.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Every game is exactly an hour long, if not a little bit longer. Um, there's a moment where everything goes wrong, obviously, and then you have to work together as a team in case you did for some reason ruin some friendships along the way. (laughs) There is an ending moment where you all have to work together as a team to, um, stop this meltdown from happening. Um, wait, where was I going with this?
1: Uh, you're just saying that, uh, the end game stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. And trying to repair friendships after we've destroyed them um <laughs> we didn't want is it it, it's important for so that at the end then people can reveal themselves and uh yeah.
2: oh i remember now it was because it was an hour long that's right. where i was going but right. then i got distracted with the meltdown yeah. so it's exactly an hour long um because there's so many enthusiasts, I think, that come play our games and being enthusiasts ourselves, we want to give them the full hour. Although I recognize that they're paying more for the experience and not their time. Right. Um, but I feel like we've played a lot of games and we've gone out in like half an hour and we felt kind of like, oh, we are kind of expecting to spend a little bit more time here. Yeah. Um, so this game, because it has more puzzles that can be solved in the full hour, you get your money's worth. If that's the way that you calculate right. it. Um, but also if you're first time at playing... If you're stumped by something, you don't have to do that puzzle. Like you can just move on to something else because not every single thing has to be completed. Yeah. Which I think is a really big thing too because I feel like I get frustrated in escape rooms when there's a puzzle that just doesn't make sense to me, but it has to be overcome in order to move on. Where in this one, if you're frustrated, do something else.
0: Yeah, you've got that option. And mm-hmm. then and I think and I think there is a real value in because, like I said, like it's not like you can book another group in. It's not like it's a line out the door, and it's like, oh yeah, cool, next group in, we can fit one more group in tonight because everyone's fast. Like it's it's it doesn't matter. So it's like if people are coming away being fully satisfied, particularly with something that they can come back and do and play the game again, like that feels like a really you know uh, virtuous cycle there. Yeah. Um. This past fall, you guys also leaned even more towards the immersive theater side with the seance. Yeah. Um, Maybe you could explain what the seance was.
2: The seance, um, we like to call it interactive theater. Um, I think it gives a clear idea that you're actually going to be doing something inside. Um, Basically, Luke and I really wanted to go to a seance, but felt like there was nothing out there that allowed us to scratch that itch so we just made our own um we went on a lot of ghost hunts beforehand and we found out that ghosts don't always do things every time you want them to so it didn't need to be a theatrical thing um and we learned so much from doing the psych ward that we kind of came up with this idea of like wouldn't it be great if we did hold a seance but there were these wonderful theatrical moments that felt super real um where you got to experience the seance that like you've always wanted to do. So, um yeah, I I wrote the script and um it, it was a traditional seance, but of course everything goes wrong. Um you do get to meet some spirits along the way and those spirits um took form of these life size, um human size puppets because I love the way puppets move. Like they're so unusual and um inhuman. Inhuman, yeah. yeah. Um, and then you save the day. I don't know <laughs> how else to say it.
0: <laughs> how long was the development process on that? Particularly because it was it was such an elaborate for being a tiny space. It's a really elaborate build.
2: Um, well, we originally pitched the idea to a bunch of historical locations. That was our dream was to have it in a a mansion like what Delusion did. But um, unfortunately, a lot of people they hear the word seance and they're you know. Usually, a a lot of elderly old women who aren't super into the occult and they don't really want you to bring that to their historical location that they love so much.
1: Or historical locations are um, full of uh, fragile things, or, you know, they're old buildings that you want to take care of. Um, They're not really for installing these. You know, it's scenery or having people run around and touch things and, you know, just run amok like you do in an escape room. Um, so we kind of took a. Uh, we realized we have a space. We could just do it here. Yeah. And we could try and design it in such a way that it would be minimally invasive to a space so that uh, if we, if in the future somebody did want to put it on um, they could and it wouldn't interfere with their historical venue at all um, but they could still have the show
0: the playtesting on that show versus the playtesting on on the escape rooms like uh, how is it, is it a similar process Is it the same length or how, how do you uh, approach that and like how how often do you on all these things how often do you test like do you test and then like go back to design and test go back to design
2: the psych ward had a lot of play testing um and that's just because the strategy element was so unpredictable and everyone would do something different we wanted to make sure that we had a game that anyone could play no matter what their strategy or lack of strategy might be um whereas the seance because it was more of a show with a direct script And moments when the audience were kind of allowed to interact or told like, oh, we need to find this thing, uh, it made it a lot easier because there was that woman you meet, Madame Ruby, at the beginning, and she's your guide. So you're going to do whatever she says. Where with the psych ward being more like an escape room, it's more open world and you don't really have a whole lot of rules. Um, So... The psych ward, I don't know how many months it took. Too many. <laughs> um, yeah. The seance, since we had so much rehearsal, I could also tweak the script there. Um, and I had a couple of friends come in through rehearsals to see how they would respond. Um, and then we had a solid week of previews, in which case we kind of learned what the audience did. And we did make a couple of couple changes. changes.
1: <laughs> there were a couple changes. Uh, I think
2: we made one change opening night, too, because <laughs> one audience member like, did something where she almost attacked the actress and we're like oh right we are changing this completely did not think anyone would do this (laughs) oh my goodness
0: oh did they okay yeah i think yeah like yeah they might it's always funny when when people go farther than you think they'd go yeah right yeah where it's like here's this moment and like i i got a flashback like we, we used to Back in my, like, college LARPing days, we would sometimes, like, uh, get the guys in the group who, like, knew how to do fight choreography. We'd have them, like, choreograph a fight, which was supposed to basically be, like, a set piece for everyone to kind of watch. Uh, even though, like, it's a LARP. Like, theoretically, it's, like, it's active. But this was, like, a LARP being done by a bunch of theater nerds. Like, everyone was part of, like, the high school or college theater troupe. And we had the guys do, like, a choreograph fight because they really wanted to. They were, like, oh, we want to do a fight. I was, like, great, great, let's do it. We'll do it on the deck. Everyone watch it. It'll be cool. It'll be badass And then one of the guys, one of the non fighters, like, he tried to jump in and he's like, But that's what my character would do. It's like they're going full (laughs) speed. These guys knew Capoeira. You're gonna get your face kicked in. Why? Right? You know, like I don't I don't understand. Like
2: Because you're doing such a good job at making them immerse. Yeah, they're really
1: involved. They're gonna save the day. I mean, that's what
2: happened with us, is the person who jumped in and did not hurt our actress, but we thought the The idea definitely crossed their mind. Um, They wanted to jump in and save the actress. So it was a good thing that they wanted to do. But their way of saving the actress involved violence. (laughs) (laughs) And we realized
1: that other people might have the same idea. And so we had to change a couple things around make sure that did not happen again. You guys have to
0: tell me afterwards, like what exactly the moment was. Oh, was absolute... you might have a small heart attack. Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, but... good. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm looking for. I, I know I good. did. I need some thrills. <laughs> um, well, the, well, there's something there. Like, I mean, how how many times have you guys found uh, had to, to modify things because the audience does something that was just so outside of a field. Like, is that, is that a regular occurrence? Um,
1: I, th- uh, yeah, every, all of the experiences that we've made have had tweaks after we've had people go through them and we've seen, um, they've come up with things that we didn't think about
0: how, how late into like, if, if someone did something like in the hex room now, you know or oh, it's or or does, does, does it or, or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. or does it or does it fall or does it fall off is there a curve at the beginning where it's the first couple of months you Yeah start, so it's like, definitely
2: oh, yeah. a curve um i mean We take every single piece of criticism very personally and and we think about it, but we don't act on it right away. Because if it's just one person had a hard time with this puzzle, we go, interesting. And then we wait to see if we see that being a reoccurring problem. If it's, you know, two out of three groups. Or or, if it's residual energy. Yeah. Or Mm. there's also a thing that we've discovered called residual energy. Hmm. It's something we've coined. Um, but it's the weirdest thing ever. Okay, and I'm sure this. anyone who owns an escape room or game masters an escape room, you have has experienced seen it. this. So, what will happen is a group will do something that we've never seen before. Like, let's say they decided to stack all these cans of food on the top lip of a refrigerator. And then decide to open the refrigerator, and all the cans come crashing down on top of their head. Like weird, right? Like first of all, who puts cans up where you can't even reach? And then why would you then decide to open the refrigerator? And where do you think those are going to go? Yes. Like, th- and this definitely is just not a normal going to be a very unique
1: thing. thing that one person did.
2: Yeah. yeah. The next group will do the same thing, and possibly even the third group will do group. the same thing, and then it will never happen again. Ever. It
1: That's still weird. has never happened That is actually An example That actually did happen So th- four groups Or three groups I, uh, I think it was three Three as, as three yeah. Three like, groups like in, in a row In a row In a, row, in a, in a night In a single night yes. Did the same thing Stacking the cans On top of the fridge And it has never Happened again to this day and that they is, all opened
2: weird. the fridge door and had them crash on top of their heads
1: that is really it's weird. some but sort of
2: like you could talk to our game masters they've seen more games than we have now but they all have these stories it's
1: a residual energy you put an energy into a room and the next person who comes along somehow picks up but on they that think and, it's and it's an original idea thing. like that's what's so it weird about weird. it it's weird it's bizarre
0: man that is that is really freaky. That's and freaky we've talked weird, to a yeah. lot
1: of escape room owners, and they all uh, swear that the same kind of stuff has happened. The patterns repeat. It's not solving the puzzles in the same way. It's like just just weird we, we Just stop. a very unique behavior that you've never seen. Yeah. And then it like everyone put the again
0: everyone again. took the elephant and put it in the corner for no reason. Yes, like just halfway through the game, they put the elephant in the corner, and I don't know why. And it happened all night long, and then never happened again. Residual energy. Weird. It feels like it feels like I don't know. You need to get like a paranormal like <laughs> uh, <laughs> parapsychologist. We should write a book on it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Get a parapsychologist down here. <laughs> studying these things because th- that like when you start talking about like stacking the cans on the fridge, I thought of the Ghostbusters lines. Like, who stacks books like this? Yeah. Right. You know, instantly I got that image of like, what's going on? Why is this happening this way? I mean, the, the, the thing, the thing that that I that I find interesting about like the development of this stuff is. Is these moments of like when the rubber meets the road when when the the players the audience come in and the the ideas sort of fall apart right you know or something is like that like oh we did not see that one coming or I mean
2: that happens all the time in the escape rooms like people will find the weirdest connections to make in to a pu- sometimes the weird connections they make will even lead to the right answer most of the times it's the wrong answer um, but it's not a bad thing because it's a puzzle like they can go down the wrong track as long as we still have the clues there to bring them back to the right track. That's fine. Um, I guess the problems are just when people come up with a logical answer with the clues we provided that we've never thought of before. Mm. So when that happens, we obviously make changes, but, um, I would say we usually catch those things within like the first couple weeks, maybe a month. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I was talking to someone earlier today about, uh, the old Monkey Island games. I can't even remember how we wound up talking about them, but um, and then he was telling me like a story about playing Loom, and and uh, getting stuck and in, in the old Lucas Arts games. Like I've never beaten one because I always get stuck on some puzzle, and it was some puzzle where you're supposed to like Looms a game where you're you're playing musical notes, and you're supposed to figure out. And it never tells you that you are supposed to reverse the musical notes. And the reason why he found out about it is because it was on an old CD-ROM. And he for some reason, he like put it in his CD player. And it, all the audio tracks were just audio tracks on a CD. And so like he got the answer to the puzzle by listening to all the audio tracks. And it was just there. He's telling me this. I was like, that's amazing. Uh, so then he went back and finished the game because they were like, got that. But like, what always drove me nuts about those games, there's a point to this, I swear, um, is... Um, they would often not give you contextual clues, mm-hmm. right? Like you would you would be asked to sort of like logic something out or it was always like this piece goes to this thing and like these two items and it was always inventory matching was like what most of the puzzles were. Mm-hmm. And what I love about escape rooms as a genre is that most of the time it's, it's about setting a context and being able to take that step back and see how this thing fits together. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't think there's a question attached there. that. I think it's just that just, just like that thing about people making weird connections. No, I, I, I lo- yeah, agree completely. Logical, and yeah. we do
2: that a lot in the Hex Room too. Like one of the first puzzles is when you get into your room, there's clearly a theme of where you are. Are you in a laboratory? You can't
1: disclose the, any of the puzzles.
2: <laughs> you can't. You can't well, disclose any of the puzzles. There's things that are out of place in the setting that you're in. Right. And that's your first question. Puzzle slash clue Yeah yeah. And it should be fairly obvious But it has been a struggle For some people
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah Well I mean because And that's that thing Where it's like It is interesting Because I think some people And particularly Because like those old Those old scum games Like you know They were They almost seem to be Allergic to giving Contextual clues Even though it feels like They should give Contextual clues Like that should be like All it's about is like Noticing what's in the space Thinking Mm -hmm. about the environment And yet, so often, like, the the logic would just, like, fail completely or, like, there would be something missing. And in that case, it was at no point did they give those guys a hint, like, like a contextual hint of, like, you can play this backwards. Mm. You can reverse something. It was just supposed to be, like, oh, let me try this, right? Well, it
2: it feels like they had a rule that they've just, like... Given you that it only goes forward, I haven't played it, but it yeah. sounds like that's what it is. So you've just learned this rule, this unspoken rule, right? And then now they're changing it on you,
0: right? And they and they want you to they want you to interrogate the rules of the world, right? Like that's that's what they they're, they're doing. And like there's there's that line of puzzle making, and I mean it's it's a valid line of puzzle making, but I just but it, when it's a narrative, it kind of drives me nuts that it's like there's nothing in the like, I want to be able to step back and go like, oh, wait, they were talking about reversing core. Oh, God. Like, why didn't I pick up on that? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and that feels like something that that a good escape room does is like when you finally solve it, it should feel almost like stupidly obvious.
2: Yes. That's yes. the feeling you have to have. And if people don't make it out, we do explain what they're working on. And we are always going for that. Oh, like once it is explained to them. You know, they were just overlooking usually the smallest little thing.
1: Yeah. And and sometimes you can get people, you know, in, a, in any kind of game design, getting people to training them like those unspoken rules and then having something that they have to step back and notice and kind of shift gears, if you will, can give you a really great aha moment or it can give you uh, a feeling of like, that wasn't really fair. <laughs> yeah and, it's a fine, it's, line. It's a fine yeah. line it yeah. depends on what it is
0: yeah that though you're absolutely right because there's plenty monsters like, it was why was it that like oh that's oh no right? yeah, <laughs> no <yeah>. you're wrong <laughs> yeah, yeah no, no, you're wrong this room is dumb <laughs> um you guys have been at this for a while now hex room four years yeah you know. four
2: years next week oh my yeah. goodness happy now
0: anniversary Wow, and probably when this is airing would be 4 years of the week this is airing so cool. yeah, happy
1: birthday happy,
2: birthday happy birthday
0: um would you recommend this
2: life to people? this life? <laughs> you this life? You're, um, escape,
0: you're escape room owners, you're you're my life specifically.
2: I mean at one point we're we're game designers, which yeah. is awesome, and we're also room builders and fabricators, but then we're also business owners. So I would recommend two of those three things. <laughs> you can guess which one I wanted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I think mm. I can.
0: But would you? But would you? I mean, would you want to give up the control that
1: comes with that third thing? Because there's a degree of freedom with that third thing. We but, were actually given the opportunity way back when, when we first started. Someone was going to give us the opportunity to do. They would do all the business stuff and we would just design and build rooms for them. And we did turn it down. Uh, Obviously. Obviously, yeah. Because um, it...
2: Well, one thing was the control of money. That's a really big thing because coming from a theater background, there's always someone that was controlling your budget and deciding what you could spend money on and what you couldn't, which is an important job to have. But they often... Because they're not designers, the ones controlling the money, they don't understand why something costs more money than it does, and why that's a big thing to have this effect versus another effect. I don't know. The, their way of cutting corners was always a little bit different than the designer's standpoint. Yeah. So I think that's the reason why we decided to do it ourselves was because we wanted to be able to control what expenses were necessary.
0: Well, and you, and you can even see that in like in like large scale projects when like you get like a big you know, multinational company that like might own a lot of acres of land somewhere nearby. And uh, you know, the designers want to designers want to do something <laughs> and the the financial people are like, oh mm, no. And or there might be like reasons with yeah, well like that would be nice, but like it's way too expensive to do it this way. You need to do it that way instead. Mm-hmm. And having and and it's it's a totally different thing when it's like you with the budget knowing that you know, it's like, I just can't afford to do it. Like making the choice to make the sacrifice yourself is, is I feel like that's gotta be like the better
2: yeah. way. It's still
1: painful. Yeah, <laughs> It I, was
2: a rough first I, year for sure. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I feel like, I feel like, uh, producers a lot of times get too involved mm-hmm. and they, you know, they're not the creative minds. They don't see the, the picture that they, of the, that the people who they hired see you know the picture that they see but then they put in their two cents or their 80 cents and the project suffers as a result and being able to control the money makes it so that the project can be all that it can be but it comes with a lot of responsibility yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's not fun. So
2: <laughs> I mean, I'm i glad we did it. It was definitely really rough. Like the, um, the permitting process alone was just a complete nightmare.
0: Well, you guys were originally looking up like LA way, right? We and then, lived in LA. Yeah.
2: Didn't mean we wanted to open a business in LA. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but no, we b- always it want was too much of a pain. In the... Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, even Orange County was rough, but uh, I'm happy we did it and we got through it. But yeah, I would not wish that upon anyone.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Just just having a new idea is very frowned upon in the world. It's just like, I have this new great idea. No one wants to hear anything about it. No one wants it in their town. Nobody wants it near them because it's new. New things are dangerous and... That nobody wants to be a part of it and it is really difficult to do something new
2: well funny story um about when we were trying to open one reason why it was so difficult for us is because escape rooms were still so new granted this was like 2015 and um we kept calling them an escape room and people had their own idea of what that was (laughs) but they acted like they knew what we were talking about right so we finally found out that what everyone thought it was was a sex dungeon
0: it's
1: funny. You this was say at that. the time yeah. where like
2: Fifty Shades of Grey was really popular and yeah. stuff. And we we're just like, oh my gosh, no. And apparently
1: no. sex dungeons were popping up at around the same time. Yeah. When when we would go into the DCA,
0: um, you know, they would say to us, Yeah, I mean, like everyone in City Hall, like they just they just think that all that you guys do is sex parties. <laughs> it's raves and sex parties. Like that's all <laughs> they think. And it's like and there's a part of you, you were, where I was like, well, I wish, but like, no, like we're theater nerds. Like maybe we're doing the wrong thing. Maybe we should. Um, and, and, but that's the thing is like, they don't, I mean, there, there was, um, I, I won't name the project cause, cause I, I mean, it's, it's something that can be like researched, but there was a, a planning commission meeting in LA, uh, for a project that, that actually pulled its permits like, uh, back in November. um, but the complaint being, there was, there was complaints being written by uh, the, 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 the the would-be neighbors of, of the, the project, uh, which, you know, were rallied in part because, like, a, an anti-gentrification kind of action, because the, there was a project going to go into a neighborhood, it would have inevitably changed some of the neighborhood. But, like, the letters that were being written in were, uh, we've done research on this, and uh, you know, there's, there's nudity in some of these shows and there's physical contact between, uh, the performers and, uh, the patrons. This is porn. And this is porn, and because it's gonna gonna have a bar in a hotel, uh, this is gonna be a brothel, and this is what was being written by like like the the existing neighborhood forces. And you just sit there, and one there's all the tropes of like theater people being whores, right? Like like that goes back, like you know your 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 professors taught you that in college, where it's like, well, traditionally the way we all made money, and and then and you're just sitting there like, okay, well, so that stigma's like never been lifted from us and then just like this <laughs> this thing where it's like accusing it's going to be a brothel and, it's, and it just it just uh, i was just like i i put it down well i mean it was, it was i pushed the laptop away i didn't have the actual paper i just pushed the I was just like really it's it's 2019 and this is the argument being being rallied against us that like we're all just pornographers and like pimps like and this is what we do it's like we're just you're just theater nerds, you know ugh yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's the thing; they don't understand. People don't yeah. understand. This. Yeah,
1: there's no money in theater, right? That's, yeah, that's Well, that's, that's they, what they understand. Yeah, there's no money you, in
0: theater, so they assume we're up to something. <laughs> you're, you're <laughs> a kid Let's in middle <laughs> school,
1: you get into theater. They go, "Well, you know, you have to be a superstar, or you'll be homeless." And then the uh, same story all the way up through college, and then and then all of a sudden you start getting into the professional world, and you start to see that there are. There is a lot of money and a lot of different genres of theater escape rooms being part of yeah. the theater world and immersive theater is exploding. You have uh, TV and now all the streaming services. You've got movies. You've got theater itself. You've got uh, theme parks. and yeah. theme parks. Theater and art is everywhere you look and touches almost every facet of our lives. And I don't know. I look around and I see all these theater kids doing just fine. Yeah. Uh, and then I see all the people who, you know, studied. Economics. Economics. Don't know what you do with that. Yeah. Oh, uh, no, that gives, that gives me so hard. I mean, like
0: but on the flip side <laughs> of it is that, you know, the, the cities, they don't, they don't know how to fit this into their regulatory, you know, infrastructure. And that, cause like, you know, and, and, I won't say with good cause there, but like, I mean, a city moves slow, right? You know, for various reasons, a city moves slow and, you know, you approach and you say, like, okay, well, we're going to put people in a room and they've got so much time to escape. It's like, whoa, whoa, wait, what? Yeah. Right? Like, instantly, it's like, there are 17 red flags.
2: Well, you said put people in a room, not lock people in a room. So right. you're already doing really good. You're already I doing know. really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, I know. I deliberately skipped a set there. I mean, well, uh, and then there's, I mean, like, there's, but there's also, like, I mean, I talk with the, the Spiros sometimes and, like, you know, There's like some trepidation that like there's going to be like fire code changes that are going to like sweep over the industry. Is that kind of thing you guys hear about and Uh, concerned? I think
1: it happened in New York, right?
2: New York, a lot got shut down recently, um, mostly because they just all of a sudden required all these buildings to have fire sprinklers. Right. And for a lot of people, there was just that's a lot of money to all of a sudden retrofit your entire place to fire sprinklers. Yeah. Um. We. So one of the reasons why we had such a hard time with the city was because we wanted to do this the right way. Mm -hmm. And that was because we knew we were going to be putting so much money into these games to make them as realistic and immersive as we possibly could compared to the escape rooms that were open at the time, which were just, you know, office buildings that really did lock you in. And they didn't have any sort of fire safety. And, you know, they were clearly like not legal. Yeah. But they did that because they didn't put a lot of money into their room. So if they got closed down, eh, I only spent 500 bucks. Yeah, we'll right? find another
0: way to launder money. It's great.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> we were like, we don't want to get shut down, not if we're going to put all this money into our games. So we did go through it the correct way, and we learned a lot about the fire safety. And you can't actually lock people in, so we do have emergency exit buttons, and um, we have to train our employees on our um, safety operating procedures and just things like that.
1: Yeah. yeah, and it, it, I've thought about this a lot, and I think uh, cities would really benefit from putting more focus in the inspections. Mm. It was very surprising to me that we'd go down to the city with the, with plans and with, you know, this is what we're going to do, this is what's going to look like, and this is wrong, that's wrong. Uh, you have to do this. Uh, we need to know where your couch is. And it's like, I can move a couch. Why do you need? uh, uh -uh. Anyway, um, and then we finally got through all the planning and all the paperwork and all the nitty gritty details. And then someone shows up, looks over their right shoulder, looks over their left shoulder, looks good to me, and they leave. Yeah. I I, I mean, it, it kind of terrified me. Yeah. Because I guess nothing gets looked at ever. And so buildings really aren't safe. We just <laughs> think that they are there's this whole like facade, but really they're only safe on paper. Nobody's actually looked at them and been like, Oh, oh this will stand up. Yeah. Nope. They'd come in, take a look, eh, standing right now <laughs> and they leave. And I think, I think the process would be so much easier so much faster and so much safer if more of the emphasis was put in the actual inspection and you went down you said i want to do this and they say okay great let's see it yeah and then come out and you know see the actual space look at what you're doing and say oh this needs to change um you need to have this in your plans you know before the build but but still somebody to go there and actually understand what it is. Yeah. But they, the, it's just, it's just, as, cause as long as it's on paper somewhere, then the city can go to it and say, ah, oh, this is the paper thing. If the lawyers ever show up, they go, this is what we have. And if, you know, yeah. That's not it's not probably our like fault. probably like if
0: some if something gets called out, like they can go like, Well, your plan said this, but you're you 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 did this,
1: right? Like, yeah. you know, that's right. what they, they want to be like, do that. Like they, they don't they just want to catch you somewhere down they're the They're not concerned about safety. They're yeah. not concerned about the well being of the city. They're not concerned about any of that. They're concerned about being sued. They're and definitely so, concerned about liability. Yeah, they're they concerned, about super liability. concerned about liability. And I feel like Liability should rest with businesses. If mm. you if you have a business, you, the liability should be on the business. The city shouldn't be liable for something that a business does.
0: Yeah. No, it's,
1: I, it, yeah. but it's a weird thing that they can be sued if they allow a business to operate within their city and something goes wrong. Yeah. And I don't know. That's kind of weird to me.
0: Yeah. That 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 does, and that's one of the reasons why I like the a lot of the permitting regime stuff has been like so tight since since Go ship in 2016 right it's still something i mean by the time this airs there have been like a, a in la there's like a supposed to be a listening session with like uh this the office of the mayor this week and it's gonna be really interesting to be able to go there and talk to them about you know hey here's this thing that's been holding us back for four years
2: oh and
0: cool. yeah and um just kind of like walking through like this is this is what the problems we've been having and like there's this burgeoning movement that's been going on that has just been not stopped dead in its tracks but it's been slowed down immensely because on the one hand the permanent regime won't let anyone take a space big enough to expand their audience and on the other hand landlords just squat on buildings because they're waiting to sell it to the developer and just for Ages and ages like you drive by just strip malls and other pieces of property that are just blight That could be being used even if just you know for a year or in the case of some warehouses and stuff which people can't use um, The landlords are waiting for Netflix to come and shoot a show in it, you know and make all their money in like, you know a week Uh, And then just like not have to have it occupied like the warehousing of real estate uh, is is in multiple levels. It's not just a problem. It's a massive problem when it comes to ten- tenancy, right? And the homeless problem. But then at the same time, it's a massive business problem because like small business owners can't, would-be small business owners can't get a physical plant because someone's just warehousing real estate to be sold off at a higher level later.
1: Yeah. We're, we're sort of in a, a downward spiral too because we're getting... <laughs> people are because there's so much it's so expensive to get so the permitting expensive. and the the go through the proper channels and it's so time consuming and exhausting that people are doing it under the table yeah and we're seeing we've had a couple incidents uh there was an incident in Poland yeah that that That's what happened in New York. That's why they went through New York because of what happened in Poland. Yeah. Um, What happened in California? There's something.
2: I don't know about California, but the one in Poland was a fire where unfortunately some people died, but it was a, it was like an escape room. That that was was the beginning
0: of last year, right? Or the year before. Yes. Yeah. Mm I
2: was about a year ago, but yeah. yeah.
1: And it's always a place that's operating without, um, without the proper yeah. channels the
0: california thing you're probably thinking of is the ghost ship fire of 2016 which was at a rave yeah, in it. oakland yes. and there was like 33 people yeah right? and like that's and that's the one that kicked off like like 2016 was the last but that was a year that on the haunt scene it was creep delusion and and tension and like big shows and everything was going gonna get bigger and then, like, in in late November 2016 is when that fire happened, and then it just, boom. Like, in, in L.A., it was the temporary special events permit was what everyone was using. And then suddenly, because the letter of the law didn't, did not say you had to, the letter of the law did not allow those events. But permitting had allowed them to use that permit for those events. So then when that happened, they were just like, nope, no more. No more no more things could remotely be a warehouse party.
1: They clamped down, they clamped they, down. and they, and they and were they, fully
0: within their rights to do because the, the letter of the law was like, yeah, we don't yeah. have to permit this, so we won't.
1: Or they'll add or they'll add more rules or they'll make it more expensive. But all that is going to happen is you're going to get more people going, going under the table, yeah, creating things that end up ending disastrously. yeah and then they'll clamp down harder. and it's this vicious spiral to the bottom. And at a time where immersive theater and escape rooms and all of these um, on site entertainment things are going crazy. And uh, it's just a recipe for disaster.
0: Yeah. Well, hopefully, we won't get any disaster. And hopefully, we can actually like move things
1: in a good this way. This went to a dark place. Yeah. yeah you guys really went. We really a brought new it down. We it. I
2: just meant to say, permits were hard. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the end. Yeah, You brought up the Yeah, it's all your
1: fault. You brought up the permits.
0: <laughs>
2: It's true but it's but it's
0: always I mean that's the thing this thing is always in the back of our minds because it's the it's the thing that could you know stop us it could stop us all and it's and the flip side of it is like we make we try to make it very clear when we're talking to the cities like we're not we don't want to run the unsafe things we we want the patrons to be like no one benefits from a customer getting hurt injured terrified not being able to come back right well, like, also,
2: just you don't want to build something that can hurt someone. No. Like, that's just obvious. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. If the permitting wasn't uh, as expensive, and it doesn't need to be, um, and if it was more about inspections, it was more about someone coming down and understanding what was being done for and what length of time it was being done for, and, and then taking into account... Um, you know the normal uh, precautionary measures and applying them to the situation. I think you would start. You would reverse that negative cycle, and you'd start. You know, keeping things above board and safer. Yeah, um, I mean, but I concur. We'll see. <laughs> we'll
0: get there. That's the mission. Yeah. Um, how do folks come on down and and find you?
2: Um, online, obviously, yeah. <laughs> who doesn't use the internet to find what to do? <laughs> um, our website's CrossroadsEscapeGames.com. and we also have a Facebook and Instagram, Twitter.
0: And you're and you're down here in Anaheim, yeah. Uh, and so the, and, and nestled between like a, a wing of Anaheim that's nestled between like Placentia and Fullerton. Yeah, right? it's Anaheim yeah. Hills is what everyone
2: calls it. Yeah, but it's right where the ninety one and the fifty five meet.
0: Yeah, I I. I never realized I mean I was born around here but I never realized how spread out Anaheim is. I always yeah. thought of like Irvine uh being the spread out one, but no Anaheim is too. So
2: yeah. there's just a if, weird wing to it. Yeah, if you're
1: in Orange County on the ninety one, you're in Anaheim. Yeah. It goes all the way from LA County to Riverside County. Oh, that's like, weird. Cuts the county in half. It's weird.
0: That is really that's weird. It's weird. Gonna go look at a map. So <laughs> thank you both for taking the time tonight.
2: Yeah. Thank yeah, you. Thank this is fun.
0: All right. Once again, I want to thank Maddie and Luke for being our guests on the show today. You can find what they do at Crossroads Escape Games down in Anaheim and it's crossroadsescapegames.com. Shock that. Uh, <laughs> on the internet um hey uh, a couple other things uh, going on uh to let you all know about i'm going to be at sundance uh, maybe I should have said at the beginning of the show uh yeah we've got uh um i got invited to be on a panel um about uh, called welcome uh, to bio digital theater um because this year uh the one of the exhibitions at uh sundance is called bio digital theater uh what does that mean um there it's it's all about the practice of live performers performing in vr all right so dancers actors performing in vr so that's what we're we're talking about uh what's great is uh there's uh the head of uh the head of digital uh for uh, the royal shakespeare company it's going to be the moderator a couple of the artists who are exhibiting work as part of the new frontier and then little old me um if you're wondering, hey Noah, you just said uh, you're broke. How are you going to Sundance? Well, Sundance is being very nice, and they're bringing me. So, uh, if you ever wonder how I wind up someplace where I don't seem to be able to afford to go normally, it's because someone took me along. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm there to be your plus one. Um, that's that's how I got into Rise last week. It's it's part of uh, the the perks of the job. It's part of the duty. It's definitely still work. Um, we're going to have a hour and a half long conversation, uh, which is is luxurious, uh, on the 30th of January, uh, noon to 1.30, uh, as part of the New Frontier programming. And I'm really excited to go check out what's in the New Frontier this year and to meet the artists and to be able to talk about it. And to just keep on bringing together uh, the, the traditional entertainment industry and the filmmaking world and VR and XR and all this stuff, uh, in, in, into conversation with each other. Uh, and that's sort of part of my job on the panel is to kind of give that perspective. So if you happen to be at Sundance, swing on by, if you're not at Sundance, but you know, people who are going to Sundance, you know, the panel, it's cool if they come. Tell them to go check out what's in the New Frontier. And then they might want to come by the panel. Encourage them to check out what's in the New Frontier. And I know there are people who are listening to this podcast you are going to have people uh, at Sundance who maybe are just there for the films. Tell them, tell them, tell them to check out New Frontier and to check out what's going on in the VR space and this XR space and just the way the live arts and the virtual are coming together. That's a, that's a big part of our future. Um, yeah. I can't think of anything else to tell you at the moment there is a mountain of work i need to go uh, chip away at um but again if you can uh spread word about the sundance panel spread word about here if you haven't gotten your badge yet and you are cleared to get your badge i encourage you to do so soon uh, because we will reach a tipping point uh in not too long where um where we where your your odds start to go down so grab those while you can uh, more news next week on what's going on in terms of the programming and word going out for people who, again, who are scholarships or um, subsidies and the folks who put in requests for proposals. So um, that is it for now. Let's do the credit thing one more time. The sustaining backers of No Prescinium are Mark Baltazar, Jan Budman, Paul F., Lonnie Hansen, Ari Hurston, Sam Kinkin, sydney Gillery, and Jeremy Charles Hahn. Thank you all so much. You pay my rent. And music for No Priscinium is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society. You can find everything we do at nopriscinium.com. You can find us on Instagram at no underscore proscenium, and everywhere else online at no proscenium. N-O-P-R-O-S-C-E-N-I-U-M. Um, until next time, I'm Noah Nelson. And until... Th- bah, no, I'm messing this up. Wow, I am out of practice. This has been No Priscinium, I'm Noah Nelson, and until next time, I'll see you at the show. That part wasn't so hard.